Section 9 of A Battle of the Books. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Battle of the Books by Gail Hamilton. Chapter 8 Arrangement of Preliminaries. At the appointed time, Mr. Perry presented himself, but instead of proceeding at once to settling the preliminaries of the proposed arbitration, he wished to discuss the question at issue to see if we could not settle it between ourselves. I unhesitatingly declined, as I had from the beginning declined to do so he said he had brought with him the papers and figures to show exactly how we stood i declined to look at them telling him that i was entirely incompetent to make a satisfactory examination of such a point being unsound even on the multiplication table he asked if i would not be satisfied supposing they could clearly prove that i had made more money out of the books than they had i said not at all that i had arrived at that point where i did not in the least care how much the publishers made that if other authors had ten per cent i wanted ten per cent even if the publishers had to beg their bread from door to door he seemed a little nonplussed at such heartlessness said he had come prepared to show that they had made only about seven-tenths as much as i and he had supposed that would satisfy me as i affirmed it would not he was somewhat at a loss how to proceed i told him that in the beginning that and a great deal less indeed would have satisfied me but that affairs had gone on so long and feeling been so much aroused that no sort of explanation would satisfy me that i wished the matter to go entirely away from ourselves into the hands of unprejudiced and uninterested persons after several months of profound reflection i will here interpolate a remark which future commentators will please to remember does not belong to the original text namely that i do not see why the publisher's profits need be considered as the ultimate duly of an author's is it the phantom of a distorted imagination that the author has a far larger property in the book than the publisher does it not cost him infinitely more than it costs the publisher and even leaving the infinite and coming down to finite matters are not the fields which the publisher reaps so much broader than the author's one little close that a far smaller share in the gleanings would give the publisher a far more heaping granary an author we will say publishes one book in a year his profits are a thousand dollars but the publisher publishes twenty books a year on which in the same ratio he gets twenty thousand dollars suppose five hundred dollars were taken from the publisher's profits and added to the author's 
the publisher would still have an income of ten thousand dollars while the author would have one of only fifteen hundred mr perry then suggested leaving it to mr stanhope one of my friends a suggestion which i did not adopt he asked me if i still continued to prefer that it should be left to more than one person and i left him no doubt on that point he then suggested that we should give up the two we had chosen and select entirely new ones i assured him that i was not in the least dissatisfied with their choice or my own and i would prefer to make no change he suggested that mr rogers was very hard of hearing and might not be able to act on that account i asked if he was materially harder of hearing now than when they selected him to settle the case alone mr perry did not know that he was and finally consented to go on as we had begun this in the telling does not sound quite straightforward yet mr perry seemed so frank and fair that i was more than half convinced in spite of all other appearances that they meant no wrong at least i did not see how any one could be conscious of wrong and yet seem so honest as he seemed he was certainly entirely courteous though perhaps it is not parliamentary to put that in one-tenth part of his fairness in the beginning would have set my doubts completely at rest he said but tenderly enough as if he loved me a la isaac walton that they lost money on holidays and that the books have not been selling very well for two years past for all which i am very sorry still i remember that mr hunt was always urgent for me to make books the last two books were published in book form at his suggestion my first notion was to publish them as magazine articles the same was the case with old miasmas they grew into books and i have just found an old letter in which mr hunt says come out with a bang the book's the thing in which you will catch the conscience of the public and again a volume by all means nothing could be more encouraging and stimulating and agreeable than his tone and bearing i recollect his saying to me when we were discussing the last book you ought to write only books in a letter of october twenty third seventeen sixty seven he says i think you are quite right not to print your burnet article at present and i hope your thoughts will grow into a volume to be issued by b and h in the spring in a letter of december eleventh seventeen sixty five he says your sermon is good but i hope you will not print it till you put it into a volume ask brother s your neighbor if i am not right if you were here i could tell you a thousand reasons why your interest would not be served in the printing of this paper in a newspaper or magazine 
nor the interest of the reading world either i speak as a fool no doubt but in your service i hope you will give all your energy and time to winter work a new book from your pen in the spring will help the old ones and is already asked for by our booksellers in the west and elsewhere in short as i look back it seems to me that mr hunt's influence always pleasantly and heartily exerted was towards the production and not the repression of books i deeply regret that they have not enriched him to the extent of his desires and deserts and i should regret it still more deeply had i urged the publications upon him as warmly as he urged them upon me although the firm lost money on holidays this paper shows that they were ready to accept another juvenile book as soon as i told them of its existence i suppose there is some occult reason for it known only to publishers but the carnal mind would naturally infer that having lost money on one they would be shy of a second venture mr perry repeated mr hunt's assertion that he replied with his own hand to my first letter of inquiry mr hunt in speaking of it to me could not recall the exact time of his writing it but mr perry said that mr hunt told him that morning that it was written directly after the reception of my letter but in a letter written two or three weeks after mine was sent mr hunt says by his amanuensis i have not answered your last letter touching the terms expressed in the contracts mr hunt apparently labors under the curious psychological infelicity of remembering the letters he does not write and forgetting the letters he does write after mr perry had told me that my books had not been selling well for a year or two and that they had lost money on them i hunted up old letters of mr hunt's to see if they would not show that he had urged me to write in the form of books in doing so i found a letter dated september twenty third seventeen sixty four from which i make the following extract Quote, the contract has been delayed for a sufficient cause End quote. he then gives as a reason mr brummel's absence quote, the percentage will read fifteen cents per copy as the business times are fluctuating the prices of manufacture so there is no telling to-morrow or for a new edition what may be the expenses of publication so we reckon your percentage in every and any event as fixed at fifteen cents per volume on all your works if it should cost one dollar fifty cents to make the volumes you are sure of your author profit of fifteen cents the price at retail may be one dollar fifty cents two dollars or three dollars as the high or low rates of paper binding etc may be but you are all right 
this arrangement we make now with all our authors End quote. if i had discovered this letter sooner it would have simplified matters greatly but i did not find it till this statement had been as i supposed finished i therefore thought best to put it in here in a sort of chronological order what i had previously said touching its substance i said from memory solely i could not even have declared whether its assertions had been made by pen or lips but i think it not only fully bears out all that i have alleged but shows more than my memory had retained or my perception divined the letter before its close says quote, as i write the contracts are reported ready so i enclose them sign both and send back the one marked with red x you keep one and we the other End quote. i see now that in case the books had gone up to three dollars i should have been sure of my author profits of fifteen cents and all right even if i had continued on the old terms of ten per cent but i did not see it then nor anything else for that matter the reasoning of this process is not a little remarkable prices of all kinds are changing therefore your price shall not change and what kind of percentage is that which is no percentage at all but an unchangeable quantity i made direct inquiries of all the authors accessible to me whose works were in the hands of messrs brummel and hunt at or about that time i received information from some fifteen different persons with no one of them did messrs brummel and hunt make the arrangement they made with me nine reported receiving ten per cent some received half profits one received twelve cents on a book that retailed at a dollar and a quarter one said that he received twelve cents on a dollar and a half book and ten cents on a dollar and a quarter another that he receives ten per cent sometimes but not always mr hunt often urged upon me the advantage and importance of my writing only for them so that with the exception of the segregational issue most for which i was writing when i began with messrs brummel and hunt i have neither in periodical or book written for any other house than theirs it might seem as if this injunction of his all friendly and judicious as it may have been did put them under something like an obligation to do as well by me as any other house would do when city lights was published its retail price was a dollar and a quarter and the first account allows me twelve and a quarter cents a volume mr perry said that the retail price of the books was changed five or six times after my percentage was changed to a fixed sum the latter change was made in the autumn of seventeen sixty four in a copy of rocks of offence 
date seventeen sixty four the advertised retail price of all the books is one dollar and a half old miasmas was published in the autumn of seventeen sixty four and was from the beginning sold at two dollars these are the only prices that i have seen or heard of since the first mr perry however says they have at two different times been held at one dollar and seventy-five cents i think those times must have been of very short duration as i never saw those prices advertised and never knew of their existence i have inquired incognito of the principal booksellers in athens and not one of them was aware that the price had ever been put down since it was put up but with all the changes the difficulties of computing percentage can hardly have been insurmountable mr perry at this time told me what i did not know before that the publishers reserved to themselves in the first contract for city lights fifteen hundred books the contract specifies only the first edition i suppose an edition has no prescribed size but i have never in any other case known more than the first thousand being reserved to the publishers city lights was published september seventeen sixty two on the first of december of the same year mr hunt reported that before january it would have gone to a fourth edition i should like to know if each of those four editions numbered fifteen hundred volumes what for instance was the size of the second edition or the third after careful inquiry i found no one in the regular line paying or receiving less than ten per cent with the possible exceptions i have mentioned mr dixon was assured by a prominent member of the firm that the troubadours never think in any case of offering less than ten per cent on the retail price and that in some cases they pay twelve and a half or fifteen he is confident that there has been no change within the last few years and that ten per cent is the current copyright with all reputable publishers not only in corinth but in other cities he says an instance occurred with one of their writers in which they agreed to pay a certain amount per volume but as there was an implied understanding that it was so much per cent on the retail price the matter was compromised between publishers and author when prices went up m n to mr dane january seventh seventeen sixty nine your letter made me laugh and so did me good like a medicine by turning to the latter pages of my bulky book you will find the gist of mr p s errand here he desired first to explain the matters to me then to refer to mr s then to take two new men but i persuaded him out of them all he was to communicate with mr russell to-day and i expect to hear the result to-morrow 
i am in hopes to have the thing begun on saturday if we can make forty ends meet mr perry thinks it will take several days as he says they shall bring out their books for examination shall not confine themselves to the prescribed custom of publishers to pay ten per cent but shall bring in other things i don't know what their figures i suppose to show what an unprofitable thing publishing is he was uncertain whether mr rogers would consent to act i begged mr p to say to him that i should not consider it any hostility to me mr p suggested that i write it to him and i did can you appear on saturday in case they agree to meet i don't want to come out myself i send you here a little book for you to look upon like john rogers and i think that will answer far better than i could i will send you also my accounts in case you might want them i believe you have the contracts you can read the statement i suppose or simply present it and let them read it themselves i would have preferred that you should see mr perry but i could find no sufficient excuse for not seeing him myself and i feared it might be offensive to insist upon your presence but as it was mr perry apparently had no mischievous intent he said they should pay if the arbitrators so decided but seemed particularly desirous that i also should agree to accept the decision and fully to exonerate b and h in case the decision should be for them and that i should say so to my friends and those who had been made acquainted with my dissatisfaction of course it would be infamous not to do that i was very favorably impressed it seems as if they must be honest or he could not appear as he did but i assure you i did not gush in the least i told him i should accept the decision as far as regarded the past before this year but all the world could not convince me that they had met me fairly and satisfactorily since i began to investigate that i thought their course had been such as to aggravate and even to originate suspicion hunt perry and company to m n january seventh seventeen sixty nine we have had an interview with mr russell this morning he agrees with us that it would not be wise to enter into the business of the reference without ample time to consider all the points involved especially as mr rogers declines positively to act and we are now compelled to choose another referee mr russell is obliged to leave for london on saturday night and he on the whole prefers to come to athens some four weeks hence if need be or on his return from the witenagamote the first of march we trust this will be satisfactory to you for the associate of mr russell in the case 
we select the honorable g w hampton late member of the witenagamote from this city the two gentlemen are well known to each other please inform us if he is satisfactory to you and also please inform us if it is your wish that a third person should be chosen by these two before a hearing be had or only in the event of their disagreeing m n to mr dane so here it is you see apparently as far off as ever what do you say i think i have heard that mr hampton is a large paper manufacturer and also that the house have their paper of him if so i think it would not be best that he should be the one but i don't wish to be cantankerous i will not answer them till i hear from you mr dane to m n january ninth when you have practiced law thirty years man and boy as i have you will know that any business that requires the presence of five or six businessmen at a given time and place is of indefinite duration and if those men are five hundred miles apart the indefiniteness becomes definitely long at least you know there is to be an organization of the new Wittenagamote after march fourth so that if we wait for mr russell we can have no hearing this winter i know of no objection to mr hampton m n to h p and company i cannot say that it is satisfactory because nothing can be really satisfactory to me but an immediate and pacific settlement of my claims to mr hampton i have no personal objection whatever but i seem to recollect when we were all living in paradise before the fall having heard mr hampton spoken of by mr hunt as a paper manufacturer with whom you had large dealings if so would it not be almost too much to expect of human nature that it should be strictly impartial under such circumstances i simply make the suggestion not even being sure that it is founded on fact the choosing of a third person i should leave entirely with the two chosen if they think a third unnecessary so much the better i should certainly think two fair-minded unprejudiced persons might get at the truth without recourse to a third h p and company to m n january twenty sixth our business relations with the firm of which hon g w hampton is the head have been for the last three or four years of the most insignificant amount certainly not of a nature to warp his judgment in our favor besides mr hampton is like mr russell too honorable a man still harping on my honor to accept the position of a judge where his prejudices are enlisted we do not understand from your letter that you object to mr hampton 
on hearing from you we will write to mr russell and say that the reference only waits his convenience m n to h p and company february first i am advised and the advice is in accordance with my own opinion that i have no right to object to your choice unless the person chosen be so undesirable that i decline arbitration rather than accept him as arbitrator this certainly is not true in the case of mr hampton i have given you my only reason for objecting to him since you assure me this reason does not exist i withdraw my objection h p and company to m n february eleventh we have written to mr russell to say that mr hampton will meet him in london during the week of inauguration and that the two gentlemen can then fix such time for hearing the case as may suit their own convenience m n to mr dane february eleventh i believe that you have gone on a mission to the king of the cannibal islands otherwise as cicero says where in the world are you nothing is more evident than that you have given the world a quit-claim deed of me and that is why i am writing about a fortnight ago mr woodley the grand vizier wrote to me saying that he should be off duty on the fourth of march and if i liked would be very happy as a friend to present my grievances to the referees mr woodley is an intimate friend of mine and when he was down to see me last summer i renovaried my dolores at his own request i wrote to mr woodley at once that we must not swap horses in crossing a stream even though the horse was a poor one i did not use those words but that was the substance of doctrine the poor horse my love meaning you he did not know your connection with it or did not remember since then your intense and aggravated silence has led me to think that perhaps you are so utterly weary with the whole thing and me into the bargain that you would hail with delight any opportunity to bid farewell a long farewell to all my greatness if you do here is your chance if you write to me and say that you should be happy to wash your hands of me with castile soap and three waters i shall weep salt tears from the briny deep and send on to london by next mail you have had a rich time of it with me i know if i only meant to pay you well truly i do mean to pay you a little not much say seventy-five cents or a dollar not half as much as you deserve but i tell you now so you need not think i am leaving your family penniless and what i do not pay in money i shall make up to you in appreciation for i think you have managed the case with clear insight and much skill that is under my supervision i have held you back from what was rash and inaccurate 
and between us we have got matters pretty well in hand now it seems to me that if you have held out so long it will be better for you to hold out to the end the making up is about made up to be sure i am going to rewrite my statement and shall probably continue the process so long as it remains in my possession but the main points will be the same so you will apparently have little more trouble with it now please to tell me just how you feel about it or rather for that is too much to ask just how you propose to feel i think you have had my statement about long enough for your share so i will take my turn at holding the baby you may send it down by express if you please together with the bills and contracts thereunto appertaining and let me see if it has improved with age mr dane to m n february eighteenth ungrateful female after all my trials and tribulations and fault-findings at your course you now purpose to swap me off well i will free my mind if i die for it my opinion is that neither mr woodley nor principalities nor powers nor any other creature can do so much for you in your trial as i can i believe mr woodley is a few years younger than i and so has a greater chance to live to the end of it ceteris paribus but ceteris are not paribus because he lives away from the scene and there never could be a conjunction of hampton woodley russell etc if i were to fly up and say i would have nothing more to do with your case because you won't follow my advice there would be reason in it but for you to take a new adviser why you don't know how much mr woodley must go through to be as familiar with the matter as i am and don't you see that you must not tax these far-off friends in this way i who am your real friend you may do anything with but mr woodley and mr russell never will leave all and follow you to athens and spend days on this trial do not be foolish unless it is really necessary i want to make h p and company do right and i want to do all for you that is possible as the matter must be heard at athens i am the person to do it with least trouble your letter found me at marathon yesterday i shall be home next week and your paper shall be sent in the meantime the lord restore you to reason swap me off indeed your only friend m n to mr dane march eighth i am bright but not quick in short i am slow when you inf x si well asked me in oxford what i was writing my statement for i suppose you saw what i only just now see that a large part of it was not necessary i had in mind the justification of my mode as well as of my claim 
and for that the whole case needed to be unfolded but since that letter was found my mind has somehow clarified the brown sugar has all turned white and if you want to eat me while i am sweet now is your time now then as you are a man and inexperienced let me briefly jot down for you an outline of my proper mode of defence the brief is a perfect troy in a nutshell and all you need to plume your wings with read that in the valley of decision and immediately walk across the room to the corner where h and p will be cowering and shake your fists in their face they will reply that they do not make one author the criterion for another whereat you will take a flying leap over all the intervening pages to the letter which says this arrangement we now make with all our authors they will then bring forward their books to show that they cannot pay me more without starving themselves you will immediately rule that out of court as not germane to the case and the arbitrators will at once award me three thousand dollars due and three thousand more damages which you will bring me in gold to zoar and i will buy two pounds of new york candy and give a party in honor of the event i don't see why the rest of the statement need to be brought in at all unless first they deny that they have not made the same arrangements with all their authors if they do you must turn to my declaration and proof or second they say that my mode of making my claim was so offensive that they could not notice it this i have heard of in substance privately if they do this then i insist upon the whole statements being laid before them m n to mr dane march tenth the sense of the deer as peggotty said when davy gave in his adhesion to her marriage on the ground of her being able to come and see him without cost of coach hire apropos to what why to your letter of course and a two months session and dark care sitting behind the horseman in general isn't the tenth of march the prince of wales wedding day the advantage of halliday being in the cabinet is that i shall control you you will control him he will control grant and for once we shall be sure of having the government well administered for my private fortunes if i have the lord high chancellor for my judge the co-secretary of state for my fighting corps and the grand vizier suzerain for my reserve force i shall at least fall into as well as in good company dr edwards used to say that if mr springfield were not a sharp new england lawyer he would be the first statesman of the day mutato nomine de te fabula et pluribus unum etc it seems impossible to get the kink of the law out of your brain 
i can stand it very well because i have you only in spots but poor f who has the whole vast sandy plain destitute of vegetation on her hands must have a life of it behold a few of the holes which i am about to punch in your case to let in the light we claim ten per cent right h says it is more than you were worth and besides you agreed to less very well put and very probable we reply ten per cent is the least anybody is worth no we don't we decline to enter into the question of worth and demand the pound of flesh they say very well here is the bond and then we say you deceived us into our assent by etc etc as for their cruelty not a bit of it it is legitimate warfare they made my fame by advertising they say very well i reply first they didn't and second what if they did if they made my sales by advertising why did they not make a's in the same way he has never yet received a penny for the b treatise why not c's books of which he says all that have been sold a cat could carry and so on on the other hand that they have done a great deal towards circulating them i readily admit what do i pay them ninety per cent for i should like to know if not that publishing is their business that they have done more than another publisher would i deny they have simply transacted their business in the way they deemed most profitable to themselves i deny that they have done anything for me out of the usual course of trade about the advertising i am indeed not fully persuaded possibly the books have had their day and would have fallen off anyway a fortnight or so ago perhaps more mr smith applied to me to write for his paper i named my price he rather recalcitrated i wrote a letter that tickled him and he then proposed to come down and see me and make an arrangement he was to be in athens the guest of his friend mr blank but in athens he heard from two different sources that i was less popular than i had been and so he beat a retreat to corinth without seeing me at all isn't there a wheel within a wheel is this wearing away my soul then my soul must be like the liver of tidius forever spent renewed forever if you think i don't value money send me down a hundred dollar note and see the manner of my making my claim is not material to the issue no but there is no use in wasting the time and temper of the men by unnecessary words now i beg you to disabuse your mind of the supposition that we are a court the especial advantage of this way of settlement is that we are not a court you will probably little relish this letter 
but it is for your good m n to mr dane march twentieth i do not know whether your letter requires an answer but as the old philosopher said i have often been sorry i kept still but never was sorry i spoke so i will give you the benefit of the doubt ellingwood and samson are respectable so far so good i suppose they stand first in new england don't they by all odds but they are in new england and i have conceived a distaste for new england publishing also they don't publish solid books such as mine but whateley bacon wheaton and similar light literature would they be as likely to do well by me as a big new york mandarin like the troubadours or pearvilles do they know that my popularity is like that retired clergyman whose sands of life are nearly run out they will take a new book but shall i let the old go to waste and ought not the new to go with the old to communicate an impulse thereunto and is it not better to let the whole be till after arbitration or the overthrow of the existing order of things i should like h p and company to be as little exasperated as possible before gog and magog come to close quarters homer had to pay an immense sum for one of his books which was quite out of print and of no use to the publisher if mr campton testifies that the cost of making my books is so much and the profit so much they must admit or deny it if they admit his figures they admit the profits which they have heretofore denied if they deny his figures they deny profits and how can they ask high prices for unprofitable property if mertons have personal grievances to redress they would be more likely to take me up con amore and so i make friends of the mammon of unrighteousness but i shall be a troublesome person hereafter to transact business with having once wasted my sweetness on the desert air i shall be henceforth only the mother of vinegar whenever i see a publisher coming in at the front gate i shall drop the cake basket into the wash boiler slip the spoons into my pocket and keep my hand on my watch all the time i am talking with him which might not look conciliatory be sure and tell mr campton this and also that there is no sale for the books that is if you ever say more to him about it i don't wish to sail into anybody's good graces under false colors and am willing to take for granted butler's samuel declaration that the pleasure is as great in being cheated as to cheat i am not sure i shall not write a book and call it harry carey or a curiosity of literature and put the whole deviltry of man into it is not he who compounds with wickedness as bad as he who commits it 
and oughtn't i to hold up my beacon as a warning to all future generations if i am not only to be fought above ground but am also to be undermined shall not i countermine and shall trelawney die and shall trelawney die then thirty thousand cornish boys will know the reason why i am that thirty thousand cornish boys you are not expected to answer my questions you can ponder them as a theme for meditation in the night watches mr dane to m n march twenty second mr hunt proposes to pass the season abroad probably will go about the time the lord high chancellor and company are ready to hear us hunt perry and company to m n april twelfth we are in hopes of getting a meeting of our referees early next week mr russell has advised us of his intention of being in athens some time next week and we have requested him to appoint as early a day as possible in order to accommodate mr hampton we trust you will be prepared to meet the referees on any day they may appoint m n to h p and company april thirteenth i have been ready to meet the referees for five months and i trust nothing will hinder me from meeting them on any day they may appoint a conjunction of the heavenly bodies was at length agreed upon for april twenty second seventeen sixty nine i mention the year for the benefit of future ages mr dane to h p and company april sixteenth to any right understanding of the questions involved in the proposed reference it seems necessary that the referee should have information such as is indicated in the interrogatories herewith enclosed which can come only from yourselves if you can send me the answers before the referees meet it may prevent delay the interrogatories were as follows one how many copies of each of the works of m n have been printed by your authority how many editions of each at what dates and how many in each edition two how many copies of each of said works have you accounted to her for and at what rate of compensation for each respectively please exhibit a full and exact account three how many copies of each of the works of the author's name below have you accounted for to said authors respectively and at what rate per centum on the retail price of each when reckoned by percentage and at what price in gross when paid in gross and upon what contract if any with each for each of their works that is to say a b c d e f g h i j k l m n four had you with either of the authors named above on the day of the date of your last contract with m n or to wit on september fourth seventeen sixty four or afterwards and when any 
and if any what agreement with either and which of them that such authors should receive any and what sum in gross instead of a percentage and was such agreement written or verbal five what were the net profits of the adriatic each year from seventeen sixty two to seventeen sixty seven inclusive six what were the net profits of the firm of brummel and hunt each year from seventeen sixty two to seventeen sixty seven inclusive h p and company to mr dane april nineteenth we are in receipt of your note addressed to brummel and hunt of the sixteenth instant with its enclosure it seems to us premature to now consider the evidence to be used before the referees as the ordinary preliminaries to the reference itself have not been completed mr dane to m n april nineteenth your package came an hour ago and while i was reading it came this note from h p and company it means delay i suppose or perchance it means if m n has a lawyer we will have one and put all in legal shape h p and company to m n april twenty first on the sixteenth we received a communication from mr nathan dane which led us to suppose he was acting as your attorney and had charge of the matter of reference on your behalf we replied to his communication and we have heard nothing from him since i did not see that there was any point to any of these letters and i did not reply to them or give myself any trouble about them if messrs hunt perry and company wanted further delay why had they agreed upon a day and what should they want of further delay as they had frequently had communication with mr dane concerning this matter and had themselves spoken of him as my attorney without contradiction from me i did not quite see how they could have waited for the interrogatories to be led to any new supposition in that respect as to their having a lawyer while i did not see why they should want one i certainly had no objection i thought mr perry had come down to zoar on purpose to arrange the preliminaries of the reference and that they were sufficiently arranged at that time but i apprehended no trouble on that score and took no thought about it end of section nine